Hey, good morning. Well, I hope you had a, a great Christmas. Uh, we uh, certainly did at, at, at our house, including uh, all the sickness that goes with us. Why is that always? Somebody always gets sick and passes it along. That's a great part of Christmas. But another part of Christmas is to um, get cool stuff. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people here that actually got some pretty cool stuff over Christmas. So here's what I'd like you to do. I don't think this will strain anybody out, but do me a favor, will you? Everybody right now, just stand up. This won't kill you. Just stand up right where you're at. You'll be sitting a long time, so just stand up. Okay, everybody's standing up. All right, ready? Now, here's what I'd like you to do. I'm just going to assume that some of the people around you are wearing something really cool that they got at Christmas. So what I want you to do is I want you to just turn around to somebody near you and listen to this. I want you to say, boy, that sure looks nice on you. Okay? Uh, Ready, set, go. That really looks nice on you. All right? Boy, that sure looks nice on you. All right, go ahead and grab a chair, and then we'll get uh, we'll get started here. Oh, the sincerity, the sincerity that uh, was there is just great. Okay, all right, and that gave me a chance to get all my notes set up because I'm not a professional uh, like uh, uh, Jamie. I just get to pitch hit, and what an honor to get to do this. And uh, I am so honored. Cindy and I are going to get to be the family coach here at Scottsdale Bible Church, meaning we get to work with young families, and, and we're already plugged into a class called Strong Families, which is a class for um, parents with grade school age kids. And if you're a parent of grade school age kids and you're not plugged in somewhere, then normally this hour, 945, is when we're right across over in the uh, D building, I think it is, and um, and we really do help people just do life together, but also help parents just understand even better how to pass down their faith to their kids. It's a great class. So So join us if you're not plugged in. But this morning, I, I hope you'll join me as we go to the Lord in a word of prayer and then, uh, and then jump into a topic that I hope will tie together this series that we've been in with Pastor Jamie and, and Daryl spoke one of the times as well. But join me as we go now to the Lord in a word of prayer. Well, Lord, we are so grateful for Christmas and how the whole world, there's nothing better than driving by the mall on Sunday morning And it was so busy the day before, and then you drive by on Sunday, and and you still stop the world, Lord. And we are so grateful that your son grew up and, and again died on the cross for us, that we might have newness of life. And Lord, as we've been talking the last several weeks uh, from the pulpit, as messages have been given one after the other on how to build great relationships, Lord, today we're going to talk about walls, some of the things that can keep us from living out those great relationships. So give us insight, give us wisdom, thank you for your word, and thank you most of all for Jesus, who is the wall breaker, as we'll see. And it's in your precious name we do pray, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Now, um, we have just finished a series. If you're brand new, we're actually ending a series that has been talking about how do we develop and build God-honoring relationships. Pastor Jamie started it off and talked about how we need to be intentional when it comes to our relationships. Pastor Daryl talked about listening, and Jamie came back and talked about speaking about kind words and dealing with conflict. And the last message in that series was on increasing commitment. And you know 
what? Those are all great principles, tremendous principles. But if we're honest, okay, for some of us, there may be walls in our lives that can keep us from taking all the great information. You can have all the great information you want, even biblical truth. And if you're not applying it in your relationships, then it really it makes no difference. And the bottom line is, unfortunately, for some of us, there are walls that can keep us from having those great relationships. Well, I want to talk with you this morning about walls. And to do that, I want to illustrate it with one of the most infamous walls, certainly in modern history, the most infamous. And that's the Berlin Wall. Now, let me uh, put up a, a, a slide that has a bunch of posts, and you'll see a, a, a bunch of barbed wire. And where this, uh, what, what happened was, it was uh, the Saturday um, before Barbed Wire Sunday was Saturday, August 12th, 1961. Now, some of the pictures that I'll show you in just a moment are pictures that are going to look familiar to some of you because you saw them on black and white TV, okay, or on a bunch of uh, uh, news magazines that don't exist anymore. But the bottom line was, was that it was a really cold day, even in Germany, it's usually cold, cool in the summer, but in on August, now think how hot it is here, but in August in Germany, that night, um, well, the, during the day, the day before on Saturday, the temperature had only, had only gotten up to about 60 degrees. Well, they were hoping the next day, the people of Berlin, that the temperature would go up. Well, they were wrong. The temperature dropped all the way down to 8 centigrade, which is roughly 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And so the temperature, as the temperature plummeted and went down, the people didn't realize it, but while they were sleeping, something were, was going up. And this is what was going up. Uh, we never saw it, American intelligence, even all the post uh, uh, things that you read about the Berlin Wall, we never saw it coming. But there were tens of thousands of East German soldiers and home guard troops that had been preparing since June, uh, and now it's August, and they had pre-poured 18,200 uh, different posts, these concrete posts like you see here in this picture. Over 87 miles of barbed wire were strung in one night in an operation that the military, their military would call Operation Rose. And the reason they call it Operation Rose wasn't because it was you know, anything to do with the smell, anything good or fragrant, it was because of the thorns. And so the thorns were razor wire, 87 miles. They literally used two tons of staples in one night to attach the barbed wire to to those posts. Well, there were some places um, where they couldn't just, you know, most of them they literally dug a footing, put in concrete, put in the post, stapled the, the wire. But there were some places where they just laid the barbed wire out. And in fact, this is a great picture from Life magazine of these little girls, and they're just looking over a barbed wire wall. But it was a formidable wall. They're not going to go over that. And they could see people on the other side of it, but the bottom line is, is a wall was going up. And what was really sad was every day that wall would become higher. <laughs> Excuse me. For example, this is a Reuters picture. This is one of the most famous of a family on one side. And look at them wave as they look over the wall and they see relatives on the other side of the wall that are holding up family. 
And at the time they were thinking, well, you know, this wall's got to come down. It'll come down. It's got to come down. It would be 30 years before that wall came down. And part of the reason why is that's the nature of walls. They may start off small, but they get bigger and bigger and bigger. For example, uh, even though the wall went up, uh, you know, early in August, well, beginning on August 15th, they began to pour concrete walls. Now, this is, was, uh, if you think about this, these were walls that are 11 feet, 10 inches tall. Now, what is an NBA basket? Anybody know? What's the height of an NBA? It's 10 feet, right? So picture, it's, it's higher than a, ba- almost at the top of a backboard for an NBA basket. That's about what you're looking at is the height of the wall. There were 45,000 individual sections of the wall that went up. And initially it had bob wire on top. But what they discovered was people would still use ladders. They would get up and they would brave the razor wire and crawl over the wall. So what they did instead is, is they put a pipe, a big huge pipe on top of it. And the reason why was the pipe was so slick that by the time if you did get up there, you couldn't get a handhold. People would brave the razor wire, but they couldn't get over that wall. And then the saddest thing of all happened. 214 people died trying to get to freedom from east to west, but it was all in the first three years. There were 41 people over the next 30 years. Now think about that. In the first several years, 214 tried the wall. But after a while, guess what? The wall just became a fact of life. It just became a fact of life. And so every day, you'd walk by the wall, and you'd just say, well, that's the way it goes. That's, that's, just, that's just the way it goes. Um, the, the city was divided, and nothing would bring down that wall. Now, men and women, my day job is I'm a marriage and family counselor, and that is exactly what I see in relationships 24-7 on a spiritual and an emotional basis. Let me give you a list. Let me put up a list of, of walls that some of us face. Now, nobody here, none of you, but people in other services, okay? Um, but for some of us, it started off maybe just as some razor wire laid out on the street. and We could still see across it to somebody else. But man, there's somebody in our life and they disappointed us like crazy. But over time, and with more disappointment, we started adding more and more bricks. And it started getting higher and higher. And then pretty soon we can't even see them at all because we've blocked ourselves off from, from them because they've disappointed us so badly. And now we can walk by the wall and it's like they don't even exist on the other side. The same thing is true with blame and with anger and with loneliness. And I'm not talking about boundaries. For example, my father was an angry alcoholic. When my dad would come over the few times that he did when I was an adult and our kids were young, we would never, not once, would we ever let our kids in the car with my dad. That's a boundary. You do not put young kids in a car with an alcoholic that's still drinking, okay? And, and so uh, that's a boundary. That's an appropriate boundary, okay? But let me tell you what a wall was, was all those years that I hated my dad. That's a wall. So when I'm not talking about boundaries, I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about walls. Well, 
Interestingly, and I think what's most important, and I hope you'll really, you know, grab a hold of today, is that there is great news as we go into the new year. There is a way through whatever walls there are that we're facing. And for some of us, maybe those walls aren't with a person. I mean, maybe it's with just, you know, the financially, we're just in such tough straits. And, and for some of us, it's spiritually, we're so filled with doubt. And how could a good God let this happen? And for others, we've got a health concern. And we're just wondering, God, why don't you show up? I mean, what is the deal? And whatever it is that has caused this wall to go up, the great news is, is there are walls that can tear down, or there are words, I'm sorry, that can tear down those walls. In fact, there are words that can tear down the most terrible of walls. Now, I want you to hear some, and this is a YouTube, uh, quality is not great, but uh, listen to these words that helped tear down this wall. Today I say, as long as this gate is closed, as long as this scar of a wall is permitted to stand, It is not the German question alone that remains open, but the question of freedom for all mankind. In the 1950s, Khrushchev predicted, we will bury you. But in the West today, we see a free world that has achieved a level of prosperity and well-being unprecedented in all human history. In the communist world, we see failure. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable, that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, Tear down this wall. And there it was, those amazing words that get repeated over and over and that some of us are old enough to uh, actually have seen that video in the 1110 service. Um, They only know about the Berlin Wall because Van Halen did a concert there, okay? Uh, But for some of us that actually remember that, that was an absolutely unbelievable speech because what it was, it was words. And yet those words were something that smashed down that wall. Well, what I want you to realize today is that there are two types of walls. There are the walls that we can see, but then there's also very real walls that we can't see. And the Lord Jesus is equally adept at smashing down either one if he wanted to. Now, to understand that, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, and I want you to look at a passage here uh, briefly, okay? Because Jesus is the great wall breaker. And here's a picture of it in Mark chapter 2. 
In Mark chapter 2, it says, Now he had come back to Capernaum, that's Jesus, several days afterwards, and it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no longer room even near the door. And while he was speaking to them, they came to him carrying a paralytic carried by four men. Now you see in the other in a parallel passage that these are four of his best friends. So these four this paralytic has got these four friends. They hear Jesus is in town. They know something huge can happen in this guy's life if we get him in front of Jesus. So watch what they do. Now, being able to, uh, to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was laying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, I mean, the faith of his friends, seeing their faith, it went to all that trouble to just get him to Jesus, the wall breaker. They break open the wall, in this case, the roof. They break it open. They put him down in front of him. And Jesus, seeing their faith, says to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I went to all that trouble to drop my friend in front of Jesus, the obvious problem was what? The obvious problem he has was the obvious problem. The obvious problem was he was paralyzed. And yet Jesus looks past that obvious problem and and looks deeper and says, you know what, you've got an even bigger wall. Now, maybe nobody can see it except for Jesus. But Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you got a wall problem, and it's this sin in your life, and so, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their heart, and they said, well, why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, because he was God, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning this way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? What's easier to say? Is it to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to get up and pick up your pallet and walk? Now, actually, neither one is really easy to say in truth, but he says, which one's easier to say? And so then Jesus says in verse 10, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, in other words, to deal with those invisible walls that we don't see, but that are so real and that can block our relationships with him and with others so badly, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, pick up the pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and he went out of sight of everyone. And they were all amazed, glorifying glorifying God and saying, we've never seen anything like this. Now, here's the great news as we go into a new year. I don't care what wall it is that you're facing. And, and to be honest, there's a lot of us that are facing walls. And if you've never faced a wall of doubt or bitterness or anger or resentment or fear or anxiety, if you've never faced a wall, then pick lying. That would be a good wall, okay, for you to face. Because I think all of us at some point in our life, even if it's not today, have come face to face with a wall. But Jesus is the great wall breaker. And I know that um, for a fact because he tore down a wall of mine. Let me explain that uh, to you real quickly. I was uh, 
I, I grew up, and I've shared this uh, before, but um, I grew up in, in a single-parent home. My mom and dad divorced when I was two and a half months old, and I never met my dad until I was in high school. When I did meet him, finally, at the end of high school, you know, as I mentioned, he was an angry alcoholic, and I used to hate my dad, and, and then I became a Christian, and I just intensely disliked him. But the point is, is that... Um, <laughs> For, for years, uh, for years I had a wall. But guess who that wall was with? with? Every bit it was with my dad. Because every time he didn't show up at something, I'd put another brick up. And every time he didn't, you know, there's, oh, here's another Christmas and he's not here. And another game he's not at. Another birthday where you get no card and everything else. So I certainly had a wall up with my dad. But guess who else I had a wall up with? It was my Heavenly Father. And then I went... The, to the Kachina Theater. Now, the Kachina Theater, does anybody... Now, if you remember the Kachina Theater, don't raise your hand because that means you're really old like me, okay? But the Kachina Theater was over by where the Fifth Avenue shops were. And uh, I started at my senior year in high school going to, going to a group called Young Life. And what Young Life would do is, is they would, uh, it was the Young Life leader was a guy named Doug Barham, big six foot four ex-offensive tackle at Chico State. And he would talk about, Doug Wood, this guy named Jesus. And even though I looked at a heavenly father the way I did with my dad, which was absent, didn't make any difference, who cares? My dad wasn't there. I mean, I, I knew they were both real. I, I kind of knew God was real, but my dad didn't make any difference. And as far as I was concerned, God didn't make any difference. And then Doug begins to talk about this guy named Jesus and how he would calm a storm and how he could do that in our lives, how he would heal a blind man and how he could open up our eyes so we could see, um, how he would raise somebody from the dead and bring newness of life. And I mean, this guy, Doug Birum, he believed it. He bought into this. And as I saw him and I hung out with him and I went to his home and saw the way he treated his family, well, that's when he tricked me into going to this Billy Graham movie. And I love Dr. Graham. Don't write me letters, okay? But it is the worst Billy Graham movie ever made called For Pete's Sake. It was about this lady that was really sick. And when she dies at the end, it's supposed to be sad. But I was in high school and I thought she deserved it. I didn't like it. Um, but, uh, but the movie was over. And when the movie was over, um, this guy stands up and he says, do you want to change the pictures of your life story? And in the language that I'm using today, you know what he said to me? is he said, you want to tear down the wall that you have between you and God? You want to get to know this guy named Jesus? Well, then you got to knock down that wall. When the first step was when myself and my twin brother Jeff and Chuck Saval, who runs um, uh, the ministry for Alice Cooper, and Hayes Button, who's a photographer here in town, and uh, Don Vogan, who died in a plane crash several years ago. But all of us walked down that aisle at the Kachina Theater and gave our lives to Christ. But you know what? Even though I was a Christian, my wall didn't go down right there at the theater. Guess where it went down? It went down afterwards, and here's how. Okay? What is it that tears down the walls? I'm convinced that it is the promises of God. It is God's Word that breaks down walls. And so when I came to know Christ that night at the Kachina Theater and I walked down, guess what Doug had to give me? He had a Bible to give me, actually to each one of us. And he figured we were all going to make a decision because he had a Bible for everybody. And he had a verse for everybody. 
Okay, so here's my verse. Do me a favor, turn to Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Now, I was a brand new Christian. I didn't know where Hebrews was. It's kind of, it's in the New Testament, kind of toward the back. Um, it's the last chapter in the book of Hebrews. But in Hebrews 13, 5, um, uh, it, it's a promise of God. And he knew my background. He knew what I had come up with. And guess what he did? He gave me a promise of God that I could use to go up against that wall that I had built, not only with God, but with my earthly father. And he said, now, John, I want you to read Hebrews 13, 5b. And he underlined that. He goes, b means it's the second part of the verse. So skip the first part, but I'm not making this up. He says to me, John, I want you to read Hebrews 13, 5 a hundred times. All right? So now, um, when you hear that, uh, what do you think? That means go home and read it, what? A lot. It's a metaphor, right? Okay, well, I thought he was serious, all right? So do me a favor. We're going to read this a hundred times. We have plenty of time. Here we go. No, but no, but actually, uh, I want you to read it, and I'm reading the New American Standard, and um, so uh, God's version. But anyway, the point is, is that... Uh, uh, that uh, uh, let, me, let me read this, and so you might have to do a little translating, but do me a favor, read this verse with me, because here's what I want you to picture. I'm a high school kid that's been just filled with anger, and now I've come to know Christ, but I still have this wall up with my dad, and I still really have a wall up with my dad, of, uh, of my heavenly father. And yet he says, I want you to take God's word, and I want you to read it a hundred times. So I start to read it, and just read it with me just three or four times, just for a minute. Ready? It says, For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Read that with me, will you? For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And I began to read that and read that and read that and read that. And have you ever read the Bible and have it start reading you? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever read the Bible and all of a sudden it just starts pounding on that wall in front of you? Well, the bottom line is I get to about 67 and I'm reading again for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm in the 60s somewhere. I don't know how many exactly, but I'm in the 60s. And all of a sudden I start crying. And I don't cry, or at least back then I didn't cry. I actually cried reading a Christmas story this Christmas, but that's just, again, because I'm old. I don't know why you cry when you get older. But the point is, I never cried back then. And back then, all of a sudden, I get to about the 67th, 68th, 69th time of reading God's Word and that promise. And all of a sudden, it was like a wall just fell down. And I realized, you know what? The next time I mess up, the next time I'm angry, the next time I fall short in a relationship, the next time I don't get chosen for something, the next time that I'm disappointed, guess what? I have a Heavenly Father that will never leave me nor forsake me. And it was transformational, God's Word coming up against that wall. Well, um, to, let, let me just keep illustrating it uh, for you. By go, let's, let's turn over to John chapter 14, and let me give you a different kind of wall. My, my wall was very much with my dad, but also with the Lord. Well, sometimes the wall that's keeping us back, I mean, if we want to go into this next year with great relationships with the Lord and with others, well, maybe there's some of us that even in our relationship with the Lord, I mean, it's filled with doubt. Well, let's take a look at this wall, this wall of doubt, starting in John chapter 14, verse 1. 
Jesus again gives the disciples a promise. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Now let me ask you a question. How many descriptors are there in there of where is he? He's saying, I'm right here. I'm going to go here. I'm going to come back, get you. And there's all, I mean, talk about a GPS, okay? He is saying, but now listen to what Thomas says in verse 5. But Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? Well, he's just told him he's going to leave. He's going to come back. But no, forget it. There's this doubt there. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I mean, believe on my words. Believe in me. And and, uh, no one comes to the Father but through me. But he doesn't get it. Thomas doesn't. So turn over to John chapter 20 when it finally uh, breaks through for him. John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, uh, what's happened in between, obviously, is that Christ has has left the upper room that night where he first talked to Thomas. He's gone through the mockery of a trial. He's been... um, uh, you know, uh, been flogged and executed and put in a tomb, and yet he's risen from the grave, and he's just actually appeared to Mary Magdalene, and she tells the disciples that um, that she's seen the Lord. But now look at verse 19 of John chapter 20. It says, So when it was evening of that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus, in essence, walked through the doors, came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins will be forgiven. If you retain them, they will be retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them. So when the other disciples were saying to him, We've seen the Lord. He says, Well, forget this. I mean, I don't care what you have seen. That wall of doubt is not coming down for me. It might be real for you. But I'm still doubting. That wall is still up for me. So he says, unless I see his hands and imprint the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails and the hand on his side, there's no way I'm going to believe. Well, eight days later, the disciples are again inside and Thomas with him and Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. And then Thomas said, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it in my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing because belief is the key to breaking down walls. And Thomas says to him at that point, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, well, because you've seen me, you've believed, blessed are those who don't see me. In other words, blessed are those who are going to go based off of my word, what I tell them. And that's what you see in verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus performed in the, pre- uh, pers- performed in the presence of the disciple, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing in him you might have life. Now here's this is why this is so important if you have a wall. So stay with me just for a minute. Okay? The bottom line is, what does the word life mean? It's the word zoe, and it's the word movement. 
You know what gets you through the walls of anxiety or fear or doubt or anger? It's God's Word bringing you life to break through them. The word death is what happens when the walls are up. The word death is the word to step away. The word thanatos means isolation, separation. But Jesus said, hey, these things were written, my word was written, so that as you go into this new year, you don't have to live with that wall. You don't have to keep walking by that dumb wall. As tough as it is, even if you didn't build it, even if somebody else did, um, my, my wall on my dad's side never came down. Okay, my dad died at a hospice over here, uh, uh, right by Paradise Valley Mall, and I held his hand for eight and a half hours and had him cuss at me for praying for him on the last day of his life. So the wall on my dad's side never came down. But let me tell you, using God's word, you know, First John one nine, I just claim that for faithful and just. For, you know, confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And I took my dad out to a Red Lobster restaurant and asked him to forgive me and the wall came down on my side of the wall. So maybe you can't get it down on their side, but you can get the wall down on your side. Okay, God can break through our walls. Well, how? Well, quickly, here we go. Number one is, I think it's important to admit that we have walls. Okay, and if you, now maybe you don't, but you know if you do. Are they walls of anger or bitterness or shame or guilt? In fact, let me show you two people, just everyday, ordinary people, that just had some walls that they faced and yet took God's word and used God's word to beat down that wall. Let's take a look at these uh, two folks right now. Hi, my name is Joel, and I encountered a wall in kind of an unusual spot, as well as in seminary. I was involved in going to school, going into debt for going to school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, teaching, all the various things, and I found myself starting to see a wall of doubt. I was being challenged, and my belief system was taking some hits, and the foundation on which it was built was starting to crumble. And a verse was shared by one of my professors, Isaiah 50.10. And it says, Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And his application basically was, Don't doubt in the dark what you knew in the light. And I found myself walking along the beach contemplating about that verse and that wall that was around me. And basically what I did was look back what did I know when I did not feel the darkness and feel the fog around me? So I went back to uh, when I became a believer, and I looked at John 14:6 and John 10:10, which were two pivotal verses for me. And I, based on those verses, I realized I needed to two things basically. I needed to realize that God, my belief system, is my own, and secondly, that the Bible was the foundation for which my belief system should be built. And so those verses helped me to take those walls, that wall down, brick by brick, and actually turn some of those bricks into the foundation to build a new belief system that would be more solid and built on God's word alone. Hi, I'm Laura, and the wall that I struggled with this year so far um, was loneliness. I had an amazing group of friends in high school and 
love them all so much and um, went away to college. None of them went with me and went to a pretty big school. So it was difficult to find friends there at first and I really um, struggled with finding as quality friends as I did um, here at home. So the verse that I used to get through that um, was First Peter 5, 6 through 11, which was, humbly yourself, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now those are just everyday people that came up against a wall. One of them doubt while I was in seminary. Another one loneliness at college. But they both took God's word and said, you know what, I'm going to take God's word and have it go up against this wall. Well, I'm going to ask Rodrigo to come out. It'll take just a second for him to come out and to get seated here because I want him to play for just a second. But I want to, want to just tell you two more quick things, all right? So number one is, is you want to identify the wall. Okay, and, but then the second thing is this, is you want to come up with, Lord, what is a promise or what is a passage that I want to use to come up against this wall? And, uh, and, and I'd suggest a couple of things. Number one is if you go to the website, uh, the, the Scottsdale Bible Church website, and you click on today's message, then, uh, then I actually put up a PDF with some of the most common walls that I see people face and different promises of God. And so if you want to do that, uh, that's one way that you could do it is, is go to the website. But here's another thing that I think is even better uh, as Rodrigo comes out, except if he doesn't, I'm going to hum here in a second or I'll play... Uh, is uh, but I'll just keep going until he comes out. But anyway, the point is, is uh, find somebody in your life who knows God's word and who loves you. It was Doug Barum who gave me that verse with my heavenly Father, Hebrews thirteen five, that I needed to break through that wall with my heavenly Father. It was Doug Barum, my spiritual father, who gave me that First John one nine passage to break through with my dad. Do you get the picture? So maybe there's somebody. If you don't know a Bible verse, don't just walk out here and go, well, I got a wall, but I don't know. The Bible's really big and I don't read it that much. Well, you know what? Find somebody that's a friend that knows the Bible. Sit down with them and say, would you do me a favor going into this new year? Would you help me find a verse that I can use to break down this wall? And here's the last thing. In your um, bulletin, for those of you that actually have bulletins, there's an insert for those of you that actually look at inserts. And uh, on the bottom of your insert, it says, hey, this is my wall. And uh, I want to trust God to help me deal with that wall. And so for just a moment, Rodrigo's going to pray, and I'd like you to just think quietly about, Lord, is there a wall in one of your most important relationships, be it with him, uh, the Lord, or be it with somebody else, and then I'll close us in prayer. But let's just take one moment while Rodrigo plays to think about, is there a wall? And maybe you might even want to write it down on that on that handout.
me close this in a word of prayer, and then you'll be dismissed. But um, I'm going to stay right down here. And uh, after I pray in a moment, if there is a wall that you're facing, there's plenty of time between now and the next service. And if you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd be honored to do that. There might be a, 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 some elders or former elders or... A, uh, Stephen's minister or something that might help me if we have a crowd. But but if you would like somebody to pray for you about a wall you're facing, I'd certainly be honored to do it. So there's plenty of time. Again, just come down after I close in prayer, and we'd love to pray with you about whatever that wall is. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And Rodrigo will be heading out to uh, the lobby, and we'd love for you to meet him and talk with him as well. But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Well, Lord Jesus, you are the great wall breaker. It is your word, uh, of course, spoken by you to the disciples that tore down that wall of doubt that Thomas had. Lord, it is that word, living and powerful word of yours that tore down my wall with you on the night that I came to know Christ. And later on, when I sat down with my dad and asked his forgiveness, and at least on my side, tore down that wall. And Lord Jesus, there are some of us that are facing walls. And again, not, not boundaries, not, not appropriate distance if there's hurt or something. But Lord Jesus, we, we know the difference. For some of us, th- those are walls. We haven't talked with somebody in years or we've had such doubt with you. So thank you that you are indeed the great wall breaker. So we love you and thank you and praise you. It's in your precious name that, Lord, we pray and that we know and that we believe that we go into this new year armed with great tools on how to have great relationships, but also armed with your word that can break down any walls that can keep us from experiencing those relationships. And so, Lord, it's in your precious name we do pray and all God's people said. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you and thank you.